Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. Good morning, Bethesda Church. So good to be joining with you online. Uh, We meet online again. I hope that you are doing extremely well. Um, Let me just say that um, we made this decision to gather online this week uh, because of the recent outbreak uh, in our community. And uh, we want the people connected to Bethesda to know that we love you and we want you to be safe. We want our community to know that as well. Uh, my heart is that our community would know that we love them more than we want to reopen. And so that's why we made this decision. And so I hope that you've jumped online. Uh, I believe that God has a word for us today. I do want to stop and say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Thank you so much for your investment, your insight, your wisdom in leading us. And uh, I am very thankful uh, for my father. And and so I celebrate him today and honor him. Um, Today we are in... Um, part six of a series we've entitled Rooted. And the truth is, is I can't remember the last time I did a six-week series. It's been some time since I've taken something this far. Um, But I've enjoyed the principles so much that I wanted to stay a a couple additional weeks. And so we're going to close it out today. Um, And the goal of the, the entire series has been to broaden our lens so that we can see our faith a little bit differently, to broaden our lens. And, and what we've been utilizing to broaden our lens as it relates to our faith is the topic of agriculture. That's what we've been looking at over the last five weeks. Um, today, I'm going to go back to Mark chapter number four, and I want to revisit the four types of soil um, because I believe there are some nuggets in there that will help us Um, prepare the ground. That's what I'm going to call this message is simply prepare the ground. I believe God wants to do a lot in your life. He wants to reveal things to you. He wants to do things through you, but it's your responsibility to prepare your heart or to prepare the ground for that to happen. So Mark chapter four, starting in verse number one, it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. You may want to underline that. You may want to circle that. He's got a crowd of people and he's teaching them with parables. We could say that he's teaching them in code, all right, in code. And it goes on to say, and in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, 
it came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Very important what Jesus says here. It's a transitional statement. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he went from the crowd, he makes a transitional statement, and now he's only talking to the 12. So it's went from thousands of people down to 12. And it says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the, par- the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. All right? He didn't tell that to the crowd. He told that to the 12. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand the parable? So Jesus is about ready to unlock this for for the 12. He says, how then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, I I took the time to read it because I want to preach out out of this text today about preparing the ground. What we have to understand about Mark chapter 4 is that Jesus is giving his opening teaching. This is the opening teaching about the kingdom. All right, this is the first time he's going to teach it. And the message of the kingdom, I have said on numerous occasions, is the most misunderstood message in the church today. The problem with that is that it was the primary message of Jesus. It was the message he focused on. I've said numerous times that we do a great job uh, preaching Jesus, but we do a very poor job preaching the message that Jesus preached. Jesus preached the kingdom. And so what we need to know today is that the message of salvation, the message of Jesus, is a simple message. We simply believe and we confess. That's it. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's simple. Salvation is simple. But Jesus did not preach a salvation message. He preached a kingdom message. John the Baptist was the one who preached the salvation message. Jesus consistently talked about bringing the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Now here's where we have a dilemma. Most Christians spend all of their time thinking about how they're going to get to heaven, but Jesus never preached about you and I getting to heaven. He preached about getting heaven into the earth. And so there has to be a paradigm shift in our thinking, and he's speaking this, this kingdom message, he's speaking it to the 12 that are close to him. 
and it's the opening teaching. And, and Jesus is telling them that, that, the, that the kingdom can come into your life. That, that's the message that he's given them. And I want you to know that heaven coming into the earth is not a pipe dream that it is possible for heaven to invade the earth. God never meant for the earth to operate outside of heaven, that the earth and heaven are meant to operate in tandem. And not only did Jesus preach the message of, of the kingdom, but he was obsessed with it. He even said in Mark 4, in, in that long text that we read, he said not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone is going to understand it. They will hear it, but not really understand it. And so what we're talking about, and I don't want to ruffle feathers because we're online and I can't see how mad you really are, but Jesus is telling us that there is a group within a group. There is a group within a group. Many will get saved, but some will get the kingdom. Many will get saved, but some will get the kingdom. See, when you and I got saved, we got saved to enter into his kingdom, not just attend church. Now, should I attend church? Absolutely, you should attend church, but you got saved to be a part of the kingdom. And so this is the inaugural teaching of Jesus concerning the kingdom, and the first explanation he gives is that a sower went out to sow seed. And he talks about four different types of ground. Jesus tells us in the same chapter, he said, he that has an ear, let him hear. Why? Why, why does Jesus take the time to talk about a farmer who's sowing seed and then ask or, or then pronounce, he that has an ear, let him hear? Jesus knew that when he started talking about the kingdom, that the crowd size would go from thousands to hundreds to maybe even 12. That anytime the kingdom message is preached, the crowd diminishes. And I want to walk this out with you over the, the next few minutes, that the crowd gets smaller as the kingdom is being preached or the kingdom is being ministered. Even what I'm preaching today, scripture tells me four types of ground representing four types of people, that one out of every four will actually get and produce from the word today. One out of every four. Now, you know what that does to a preacher? Makes me mad. Because when, when I preach, I want everybody to get it. I want everybody to produce. But the truth is, is that not everyone's ground has been prepared. Not everyone's heart is prepared for the seed that God wants to put in there. The scripture says that one in four will get it. So, so people have, have to prepare the ground. They gotta work with God through this process. And I want to say today that the seed, the word, is fine. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word. It's kind of like if, if, if I got 10 kids, God help me, if I have 10 kids and I feed all 10 kids the same thing for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, and, and I do this for months, and nine of them are getting stronger they're becoming, uh, they're growing, they're stronger, they're healthy, but there's one kid that he's not growing, he's not, you know, healthy, like he's not getting stronger. We know that there's nothing wrong with the food. There must be something wrong with the child. 
And I want to say that many times we lose confidence in the seed, but, but it, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The problem is that there is something wrong with the ground. Something wrong with the ground. If God's word is not working in your life, I promise you it's not a word problem. It's a heart problem. It's a ground problem. And that's why Jesus talked about the four types of soil. The disciples came to Jesus and they, you know, they're kind of confused because they're like, we thought you were going to teach us about the kingdom. But you keep talking about dirt, rocks, agriculture, farming. Like we, we thought you were going to teach us about the kingdom. But Jesus said something very interesting. He said, he said to the 12, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Watch this. When Jesus spoke to the crowds, he spoke in parables. He spoke in code. But when he got over here intimate with the 12, he spoke straight. He said, to you, it, it has been given to know the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a mystery, but, but I'm, I'm giving it to you. They can't handle it, so I'm going to speak in code when I speak to them. But when I speak to you, I'll speak direct because I have given you the ability to receive this message. It's really interesting when you read Mark 4 how that plays out. And Jesus is, is basically showing us that you can be inside the church and outside the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Somebody just spilled their coffee. You can be inside the church and outside the kingdom. And what I mean by that is the kingdom message. You can be saved and still not operate in kingdom realities. And a lot of people are falling short. And so he would speak straight to some people and he would speak in code to others. And we know that agriculture was the commerce of the day. And when he's using agriculture, we know that he does it as a metaphor. He is speaking in a parable to reference the kingdom of God. And, and I love how Jesus does this. When he gets to the kingdom, he goes all parable on them, like straight code. Like everybody's like, what's he talking about? But if he talks about marriage, how many know Jesus is straight, like he just speaks straight. If he's talking forgiveness, he just speaks it straight. Like, you got to forgive or you won't be forgiven. Whatever it is, a lot of those topics, he's really, really straight. Even loving people, like love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He speaks straight. But when he gets to the kingdom, he starts talking about mustard seeds. He starts talking about pearls and nets and prodigal sons and a treasure that's hidden in a field and a farmer that goes out to sow seed. When he starts talking, about the kingdom, he starts talking in parables, in code, because he understands not everybody's going to be able to get and receive this message. It's a crazy transition. When he, he's preaching the kingdom, he starts talking code. If you read Mark 4, and the only thing you get from it is, oh, that's a real nice teaching about four types of ground, you've missed the message. There is so much more there. The message of the kingdom, it's a, it, it's a mystery, it's deep, but Jesus hides it behind something simple. If all you read is that the birds came and snatched it up and there's some rocky ground and, and that's all you really see, you're missed what Jesus is trying to say because Jesus is describing four types of ground that represent four types of people. I'm going to drop a bomb right here. 
the truth is that everyone is not good ground. Everyone is not good ground. It's important to understand this because when we talk about the kingdom, that is heaven coming into our earth, heaven invading our life. And we have to understand this concept because in heaven, did you know that all of our needs are already met? That in heaven, you don't have a need. You don't have a, a, a want. That everything has uh, already been met in heaven. And, and you may say, well, you know, I have a need, Pastor. That's your experience, but that's not the truth. The truth changes your experience. When we pray about God doing something, you need to know God doesn't get up off his throne and start moving. Everything we need's already been done. We just have to learn how to access what's already been done. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us through this parable in Mark chapter 4. That, that even look at uh, Hebrews 11 and 3. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Take it a step further in 2 Corinthians 4, 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so everything seen was made out of something you cannot see. God takes things that we cannot see to impact what we can see. These unseen things are part of the spiritual world. And a lot of times we miss spiritual things because we pass things off as if they're not spiritual. But I want you to know that your thoughts, your thought life, that is spiritual. Thoughts are spiritual. Um, spiritual warfare takes place in your, in your mind with your thoughts. And, and there are thoughts that come from heaven that, that want to come into your earth, into your life. But there are also thoughts that come straight out of the pits of hell. And you have to be able to discern, is this a thought from heaven or is this a thought from hell? So, because if it's one from hell, I need to cast it down immediately. I, I need to throw that thing down immediately so that it does not form a stronghold in my life. Thoughts are spiritual and they are important because we become our thoughts. Whatever we meditate on, we eventually uh, become. That's why the scripture says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I, I am the sum total of my thought life because thoughts are spiritual. Secondly, I would tell you with that is that words are spiritual. We all know that, that death and life is in the power of our words. And man, I'm hearing a lot of death being spoken in this country right now. I'm hearing a lot of hate being spoken in this country right now. I'm hearing a lot of like, oh, I, this is so bad, right? And everybody's speaking death. Everybody's speaking gloom and doom over it. But we, we've lost the art of speaking the word of God because words are spiritual. And not only are they spiritual, the scripture says that the angels that have been assigned to my life, they perform the word that I speak. Some of us have angels that have been assigned to us and we still haven't met them and we ain't even used them yet. Like we've, got, we've not given them anything to work with because they only work when I speak the word of God. On, on the other end of that, not only do angels that are for me 
um, and, and they're dispatched on my behalf, perform the word of God that I speak, you have to also understand that demons are also waiting on you to speak. Obviously, they don't want you to speak the word of God in this season. They're waiting on you to grumble, to complain, to moan around, to curse America, to say it'll never recover. It, demons are waiting for you to speak death so that they can take that, keep you locked into generational curses. But I came help in here on a Sunday morning. I would much rather be in person, but this is the best I got. I'm online to tell some people it's time to give our angels something to work with. Let's speak life. Let's speak blessing. Let's speak the promises of God. Let's speak revival. Let's speak awakening. Let's believe God for the best move of his spirit that we've ever seen. Come on, somebody right there in your house. Give God a praise if you believe that your words are spiritual. I didn't plan on preaching like that, but it, it's, it's good. Got me up in here sweating. Somebody's better get, I need more than 25% of people to get it. I don't want any more one in four. I want the word of God to find fertile ground in the hearts of people. And so Jesus taught the concepts of bringing heaven into the earth, and he used uh, principles by which to do that. He called them keys. I've given you keys to the kingdom. And a lot of times we, we, we mess up God's principles and we mess up God's keys because we only look at them as laws. Well, it's a law. I better do it or I'm going to be in trouble. God's going to put me in time out because I didn't do what he said. I disobeyed. You've got to transition your thinking from I'm doing this so I won't get in trouble with God to these are literal keys that when I do them, God says, if you'll do all the things that I have told you to do, watch what God says. He says, all these blessings will come upon you. That when I operate by principle and I operate by the keys that the Holy Spirit has given me, that it opens up all of heaven to me. It gives me access to things that I normally wouldn't have. So when I teach you guys about God's principles, God's laws, the keys, anything I'm teaching you, it's not just to teach you on marriage or how to pray or the importance of community or, you know, why we do missions or whatever it may be. I'm not just teaching so that you can learn what that subject is. I'm teaching you in hopes that you will obey a principle that will open up heaven to you. That when we do our part, it opens up some things for us. And that's why Jesus taught about this in relationship to four types of ground. Because once seed, once seed hits good ground, it's over. In other words, if I have prepared the ground and, and the seed of God's word hits my heart, listen, I don't have to dance over it. I don't have to shimmy. I, I don't have to scream. I don't have to run three laps around the building. See, a lot of the things we falsely believe we have to do for a breakthrough, those things make for good church, but it's not the truth. As soon as a seed hits good ground, it produces. So whether I dance over it, like throw your wallet on the ground. Dance all around. You know, we think, and you're going to go out just as broke as you came. 
You can dance all night long over it. It's not going to change a thing if your heart's not right. And that's why Jesus spent the time talking about the soil. Because if you get the soil right, the seed is powerful. The seed is potent. It can do it. And so he's talking at the beginning of Mark 4, he's talking to a crowd. This is a citywide gathering. That's where it starts. And he starts speaking to them this parable. And he tells the disciples in a transitional statement, he says, for you it has been given to know the mystery. And I'm, I, I, I alluded to this, I think, in one of the services last week, but I feel like it's important that I, I say it again. See, we, we want to believe. We, we desperately want to believe that God, that God treats everyone the same. Got your attention now. God loves everyone the same, but he does not treat everyone the same. Some of us do nothing, and we want to be treated like the people who do everything. God does not treat everyone the same. He is not a respecter of persons, but the scripture is very clear. He's a respecter of principles. He respects principles. It's not that he likes another person more than you. He loves everybody the same. But that person is doing something that you're not willing to do. So, so if you're not getting the result you want, don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at that person because God honors principles. And Jesus tells them, he said, this is a mystery, but I want to give it to you. And, and he's telling them that, that I love everyone, but there is a group within a group. And he even referred to the group on the outside. He referred to them as being on the outside. He's, he's not necessarily saying they're on the outside of salvation, but they are on the outside of this message of what I'm trying to teach you guys. There are a lot of people in church, but they don't understand how the kingdom works. And, and basically, Jesus boils this thing down to this truth, is that the kingdom is reserved for the ones who seek. See, you got in the church realm, you got seekers and you got takers. The kingdom is not for the takers. It's for the seekers. There's always going to be people that come when you have a handout, a giveaway, uh, a family day, uh, we're going to cast out devils today. They'll come. We're going to have a healing. They'll come. Anything you can give them, they'll come. But, but Jesus said the kingdom's not for you. And then he looks at the 12. He looks at the 12, and, and he's looking at 12 that have, watch this, they've left their homes, their businesses, their families, their careers, their friends. They, they had already experienced some persecution. And, and, and Jesus is saying, the takers will never know, but for those that are willing to seek, this is for you. There, there is a place in God that you can tap into that a lot of people don't want to tap into. And I'm not saying those people are not saved. That's not what I'm saying. Salvation is easy. Can I get an amen in here with a handful? Salvation's easy. You, you ask for forgiveness. You receive it. You believe it. You walk in that. You're saved. But this kingdom dynamic is another level of power that God wants to put into your life. But he doesn't give it to those who simply take. He gives it to those who seek. That's why you can have large numbers of people that are getting saved. 
But most people don't want to go any deeper than that. They want to be saved. They want, you, know, you know how people are. I just don't want to go to hell, preacher. I just don't want to go to hell. And then that's kind of where their faith starts and ends. I, I don't want to go to hell. So I'm saved. But, but when you start talking about the authority that you have in the kingdom of God, a lot of people don't want it. And I couldn't really figure it out. But the reason people don't want it is because with this message comes not only authority, but with this message comes responsibility. To whom much is given, much is also required. There's, there's not only um, responsibility, there's accountability. Yeah, we know people ain't signing up for that. So we, we steer away from it because we don't want to be responsible. We don't want to be accountable. We just want to make sure me and my family make it to heaven. But I believe that God in this season is looking for some people that are ready to manifest the kingdom in the earth, but it's not designed for those who take, it's designed for those who seek. Speaks in code to the multitude and gets to the 12 and says, this is what I was talking about. I can give it to you guys. See, everything in heaven that God has for you, God gives it to you in the form of a seed. We have 66 bags of seed. 66 bags of seed. I brought my Bible out. I don't usually bring it out because I type them all in. Somebody out there is like, he finally got a Bible. 66 bags of seed right here. Good seed. Powerful seed will absolutely change your life. But a lot of us are not, we haven't prepared the ground for the power of what's in this. And what I love about the 66 bags of seed, it doesn't care who your daddy was. It don't care about what race you are. It don't care who dropped out of high school or who graduated. doesn't care who left you, who stayed with you. The 66 bags of seed, watch this, it takes away our excuses. The harvest I receive from the 66 bags of seed, the 66 books in the Bible that we know is the word of God, the harvest I get from that will, will be parallel to how much of this seed is actually in my heart. See, when you pray about something from God and you say, God, I need you to do A, B, and C. I need you to show up. If God, if God gives you a word, he's already answered your prayer. If all you got in prayer, like the miracle didn't happen, but you got a word, did you know that the, the miracle is in the seed? The, the, the harvest is in the seed. The breakthrough is in the seed. So when you're in prayer and God gives you a word, what's that mean? A miracle has already been set in motion because I have the seed to my miracle. A lot of times we, we just want it to fall out of the sky and, and you know land in our lap and we have everything. God will, many times, he will give it to you in the form of a seed, in the form of a word that, that he wants you to hold on to. It's why Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you want to and I'll do it. Now, I mean, that's bold. 
That, like, if, if, if you abide in me and my words are in you. See, we got people that are praying that don't know any word. We got people that are praying and, and they, they go to God guessing. They don't know if, if God wants them blessed or not. They don't know if God wants them to have peace or not. They don't know if God wants them healed or not. Everything's a guessing game with them. But, but if the seed of God is in you, the word of God is in you, he says, ask me for anything because the potential for it to happen is already in your heart. The seed is already there. And so we transition now to these four types of soil. Y'all give me five or ten more minutes. I can't hear you online. Thank you. The first is the wayside Christian. We're just going to give him a name. The wayside Christian. He talked about the sower went out and sowed and some fell on the wayside. I think we used the NIV footed path week, the, a couple weeks ago. The wayside Christian um, is characterized as birds come and eat the seed. That's how he begins it, at the beginning of Mark. The seed never penetrates the ground. The birds snatch it. Now watch this. Birds, their, air, their, their domain is the air, right? That's their domain. The thing that rules the air eats the seed. The thing that rules the air eats the seed. Satan is the God of this world and the prince and the power of the air. I want to help some people right here. Satan is not in hell. Demons are not in hell. This, that's a traditional, religious, denominational heresy that the devil and demons are in hell. They, they are reserved for hell. It's a reservation that has been made, but right now, these principalities, these powers are in the air. The first group, the wayside Christian, they never really manifest the kingdom of God. Heaven never really comes into their life in a practical, powerful way. They're limited many times by their own energy, their own ability. The word never really penetrates. And here's the connection. The reason for that is because they are vulnerable to what's in the air. They're vulnerable to what's in the air. They are vulnerable to, they get a word from God, but then they hear a rumor, and the word of God doesn't take root. They got a word from God, and then they watch the news. In other words, they have no control over their air. Whatever is said is what they gravitate toward. So God's trying to speak to them, but before it can penetrate their heart, they've already heard a rumor, they've already watched the news for eight hours, and they wonder why they're not growing. It's the wayside Christian. See, demonic principalities are swirling above your head right now. Like, it's just, you know, the prince of the power of the air, there's principalities and powers we face that are more real than the couch you're sitting on. And, and a lot of times, just because we can't see them, we, you know, I don't believe all that. But you need to believe all that. You got to fight for the word of God because 
The word of God brings dead things back to life. The word of God can put your marriage back together. The word of God can drive the hate out of your heart. The word of God can open up heaven into your life. But there are all kinds of things in the air that is trying to snatch what God is trying to speak. Take charge of your airspace. Secondly, the rocky places. This is a frustrating type of Christian. We'll call this the rocky Christian. The rocky ground, the seed starts off growing, does well, but because there's an underlying bedrock, it doesn't develop roots, and we know as fast as it comes up, it dies. And the Bible says about that, when Jesus explains this when later in Mark 4, he says that they receive and hear the word with joy, with gladness, like they're excited about it. But because there's no root system, it dies. It takes a certain amount of energy to stay excited. It, it takes a certain amount of, you know, persistence to keep your excitement. And I get that. But what I want to encourage you to do is not just allow the word to touch you on an emotional level and you get excited about it today, but... I want you to move from needed, where you need to be excited to where you are now committed. That the church as a whole, we have to move from excitement to commitment. The word has to move from something that I'm excited about to a core value in my life. See, a lot of us, we have to be motivated to do right. Like, you got to be excited. Like, somebody got to excite you to do the right thing. We got to move past excitement to commitment that I don't do right because somebody excited me about this and now I'm going to go do it. I do right because it's right. I'm, I'm committed, it's a core value. Even if I'm not excited, I'm still going to do my part. Some of us, we never give to the church until November when Pastor Chad preaches on it. We'll give because he's talking about it. I'm excited. I believe it in November. But you got you to move from excitement into commitment. They have no root. He says that persecution comes and, you know, they just do not survive. And listen, the persecution that you may face, it's not about you. Please don't be so arrogant to think that the devil's messing with you all the time. You're not that great. And he's not omnipresent. The persecution that you face is because the demons all know the power of the word. And they know that if your ground is prepared, your heart is prepared, that the word of God is about to do something powerful in and through you. Because we, we all know heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. The third type of ground the thorny Christians. Thorny Christians. Talks about the thorns grow, the weeds grow, and it chokes. It chokes out what God has been doing in your life. The desire for other things he talked about. He talked about the deceitfulness of riches. Choke it out. And I could boil this whole thing down to some of us. We love too many things. We love too many things. Too many things that I'm in love with. 
Do you know as I get older, the less and less things I love? If you could get that at about age 25, you'd be so far ahead of the curve. Because we start out, we just love everything. And the problem with loving everything is that the ground, the heart, only has so many nutritional values to produce something in you. And some of us, we, we love so much. You know, we're pulled in so many different directions that there's not enough space in our heart for God to do what he wants to do. Doesn't mean that you're a bad person, but you gotta narrow your focus. You can't love everything. Now, you can love everybody. Don't misquote me today. You can love everybody, but you can't love everything. You gotta, you gotta become more singular in your focus. One of the things he attaches to this type of person is the deceitfulness of riches. Riches that trick you is what he's talking about. Deception is being tricked. It's thinking that this will produce this outcome, but it actually produces this outcome. That I spend all my time going after something that I think will make me happy, but when I get it, I'm still disappointed. Because stuff can't create happiness. Maybe the most interesting thing about this whole message is that he gives so much description to the wayside, the rocky ground, and even the thorns and the weeds. But did you notice that when Jesus got to the good ground, he does not give a description. There's no description of good ground. And I believe because when we're talking about good ground, it's simply the opposite of the other three. It means that I'm, not, I'm gonna take control of my environment. I'm not gonna be like the wayside. Anything in the air, I'm, I'm going after it. I'm not gonna be like the, the rocky place where there's no roots being developed. And I'm definitely not gonna allow the cares of life and all the things that we go through to choke out the word of God. Good ground simply means the opposite of those three descriptions. I have an expectation for my life but I also have an expectation for your life. And I want us to embrace what God wants to do in all of us. I want us to embrace it fully so that we can manifest the kingdom of God like never before. I believe that some of you through this series, you've been given some principles that are gonna change your life. You're gonna have people look at you and say, there's no way you could have pulled that off by yourself. But you're gonna know I did what God told me to do. I prepared the ground. Now look what the Lord has done. I want to give those that are watching today an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to make him your savior today. If you're watching and you would like to make Jesus your personal savior, you would like to have your sins forgiven, would you pray with this with me today? Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We believe that if you prayed that prayer, that you are now a child of God. You are beginning a brand new journey. Uh, what I would love for you to do is that if you made that commitment today, would you text the word saved, the word saved, 
302-304-396-0488. And we would love to come alongside you and just help you take your next step. I hope you were blessed by the word of God today. We're gonna sing one more song. Turn your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom, turn it into a place of prayer, turn it into a place of worship, and let's allow God to speak to us in this moment. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.